Well, hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Events with Benefits. We've got a podcast here that's designed to help nonprofit organizations like yours raise more money and achieve greater success at your fundraising events. We want to try and get your profits up and your stress level way down. And today, we're going to do that with a little exercise. And one of the uh, hot new kind of trends in the fundraising space that's really gaining traction are what we call these fun runs, these 5K and 10K runs that bring a community together. And uh, we're going to talk uh, peer-to-peer fundraising today. You're going to hear some terminology maybe that is going to be a little fresh and new to you. But our special guest is a gentleman named Steve. Steve Patskowski, and he's the co-founder and director of business development at a company called Brighter Tomorrow Events Management. And uh, we want to thank my partner here on Events with Benefits, Renee Zhao, from a Donation Match for uh, lining Steve up today. And, and how did you come across Steve, Renee? Well, so actually Ian at Winspire is the one that originally introduced me to Steve. Oh, well, I didn't do my homework then. Let's go over to our other partner. <laughs> Our other partner here in Events with Benefits, he's the Vice President of Marketing. Well, you're a runner. I should have figured this out. Yeah. Uh, Ian Loth, Vice President of Marketing here at Winspire. So uh, where did you find Steve? So we actually found Steve at the AFP Fundraising Conference um, earlier this year. Uh, went and talked to him at his booth. Uh, he's just starting out with uh, with his company, Brighter Tomorrow. They've only been uh, working at this for a couple of years. He's been in the industry for a really long time, but uh, you know he just had a tremendous amount of knowledge putting these events together um, and started to take a run at it, uh, so to speak, in terms of creating this company. Um, and he's he's got a tremendous um, clientele base already lined up. Uh, the San Francisco Zoo, uh, you know, Big Brothers Big Sisters. Uh, he has you know over 20 or 30 events just this year that, that he's doing all across the country. So, um, you know, his, this is blowing up for him, but in, in most part because um, he's taken off that burden uh, of the, from the, the nonprofits of how to put on these huge events because there is a big cost associated with, with putting on a, a big fun run. When you're talking about two to 3,000 people, there's so many logistics, so many details, uh, but the, the amount that you can actually end up raising is huge. I mean, he was talking $30,000 on the low end uh, for one of these big fun runs uh, if you can do it correctly. Yeah, and what I found fascinating too is that because he has so much experience in this arena, you're not going to have to start from scratch. You're not going to have to learn everything. You're not going to have to do all the research even. Uh, he can actually leverage what he learns at one group's event and you know figure out what is actually going to be you know, the most suitable for your own, give you some advice, uh, take care of all those logistics, and really not have to worry about all of the manpower it's going to take even to do all that pre-planning. So you can put all your energy into the fundraising and the, the registrations and promotion of the event yourself. All right. Yeah, one thing you might be familiar. One thing that he's kind of known for, and that you guys might might have seen out there. I know it's been all over social media. Those are these color runs, right? Where you see these uh, groups of people throwing these colors in the air, and it uh, looks like a ton of fun. I've actually never done one. I, re- I really want to. Uh, I-, I always wonder how they clean that up. But he he has a solution for that as well, uh, amongst many other things. So definitely worth a listen. Well, I'm Danny Hooper, your other host here on Events with Benefits. I'm a professional fundraising auctioneer based in Canada, so I was definitely not interested in having Steve Peskowski on the show. And it's not, it doesn't have to do with fundraising auctions. I'm not interested. At least I thought I wasn't interested, but you know what? I'm also a runner, so I became very interested very quickly. 
Yeah, let me just say too about you know these fun runs. This doesn't have to replace your your live auction or, or charity auction gala, uh, nor does it have to replace your golf tournament. Those other fundraisers that you have throughout the year. But this is a great event to have on those off months, uh, especially during the summertime when you might not have, uh, especially when people are off on vacation. Uh, and you know it's a great opportunity to throw a big uh, social gathering in your community uh, fundraiser. So uh, worth a listen. And what I really liked is uh, this is a fundraiser that involves the whole family. So let's get started right now and say hi to Steve Petskowski. Well, our special guest today is Steve Petskowski, and uh, we're taking you about 20 miles north of the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco to a community called Novato. And uh, Steve is the co-founder and director of business development for a company up that way called Brighter Tomorrow Events Management. Steve, how are you? Doing great this morning, Danny. How's it going? Very, very well. We're down here in Laguna Hills, and uh, just tell us a little bit about your business, Steve. So, uh, Brighter Tomorrow, uh, what we do is we uh, produce and manage fun-run fundraisers for nonprofit organizations. So, we, we have a turnkey package. We come in and provide all of the different pieces um, that an organization will need to pull off a successful fun-run fundraiser. So, our events are generally um, family and community building oriented so it, uh, we, we, we structure them so that we can get the whole family involved and get the uh, get as much of the community uh, out there and having a good time and raising money for the cause as, as we can so this is a, an event that would appeal to a nonprofit organization that maybe doesn't want to go the auction route or some of the more conventional uh, ways of raising money so describe uh, if I'm a nonprofit and I'm calling your office where do we get started so yeah, so what we would do is we would uh, you know kind of have a conversation with you and talk to you about your your fundraising goals and uh, the community that you're you're in and and if that you know, makes sense to to put on an event like this you know we we look to have our events and communities that have uh, you know a lot of families a lot of kids um, because that is really kind of what what these events are geared towards so so we look at at just kind of the layout of that and and, and making sure that. Um, that uh, you know, the community is, is you know, is, is right for that, and uh, and then we really kind of start diving into looking at a venue, and uh, and dates, and just kind of working through all the different pieces of the of the equation. Uh, do people need permits to do these these fun runs? Pretty much, uh, you know, even we find that even when the events are being held on private property, the cities that the events are being that that private property is in still like to have their uh, their permits, and it's always a good idea to go through that process so that you don't get, uh, you know, police and fire and, and those kind of groups um, upset at you. You want them cooperating and and helping uh, you put on a successful. Uh, you don't want them getting in the way. So it's a really a good idea to always uh, to contact those those organizations and, and get that in place. Now, what about volunteers? Uh, what size of a volunteer base might an organization expect to have to put together to uh, put on an event? Obviously, it's, it's scales, uh, but maybe I should ask, uh, what would the typical size uh, or the size of your typical event be? You know, we, we like to see events that have anywhere from 1,000 to 3,000 attendees. That's kind of the range. Certainly, we can do bigger ones. Smaller ones, you know, happen occasionally, but that's, that's kind of the, the sweet spot, the range that, that we look for. And so you're looking at anywhere from 50 to 80 volunteers for an event like that, and it really kind of depends on the theme of the event. So a lot of the, the events that we do are color-themed events, so there's color stations throughout the course. 
and each of those color stations requires you know eight to ten volunteers. So on an event like that, you need quite a few more volunteers than uh, a race that doesn't have a team like that, where you don't have those stations, where you wouldn't need as many people out there. But you know, you're looking at you know, 40 or 50, uh, you know, at least for for even just a basic uh, fun run, 5K fun run. All right, let's uh, switch the conversation over now to the actual fundraising and what type of money can an organization expect to uh, generate with uh, with your average fund run uh, or fund run and where does fund run? That's fund good. Run. Fund run. That's a good one. Uh, uh, and and where does where does the money come from? Well, there's a number of different uh, ways that an organization can can generate money from these events. Uh, you know, the obvious one is the the registration. Uh, revenues. Um, so, uh, you know, the the participants pay a registration fee to be uh, in the event, and so a portion of that would go to the nonprofit. Um, the other big one is um, is for is sponsorship. So, corporate sponsorship, uh, business sponsorship, and individuals as well that uh, that want to sponsor the event and be be part of it and, and have their name associated with it. So, those are those are two of the big pieces. And then the third the third leg of that is um, the peer-to-peer fundraising, which um, can really be significant. And that's, that's the, the scenario where, um, you know, kids go out and they get grandma and grandpa and aunts and uncles and neighbors to pledge a certain number of dollars to them uh, for, for completing the race. So, um, you know, those, those, uh, that, that is really a, a big potential um, piece for it. And then... Uh, on the on the back end, you've got you know what we typically recommend is a festival uh, after the event, so that people can hang out and have a good time, and the nonprofit can have a booth and vendors, and then with food and beverage sales, um, typically you're looking at you know partnering with vendors and getting a piece of that on the back end. You know, 10 to 20 percent is, is is pretty common. So that's another little little revenue stream, and then of course there's the option. Uh, uh, component of it which we we tie in and um and that uh, the nonprofit can make quite a bit there too so there's multiple revenue streams multiple ways to uh to leverage the event to generate revenue for the organization how do you go about picking a date for a fun run and how much advance uh time or lead time do you need uh, prior to event day we like to see six months it can certainly be done in Four months and longer is better too, but it just really takes time to plan out an event, to get the venue and get the permits in place, and then really you want a, a lot of time to uh, to market it and and to generate the sponsorship revenue. So six months is a good a good point. Um, six to nine is is actually is great that we've got plenty of time to um, to build out the event, and do all the different pieces that uh, that uh, that are required for it. Steve, when you're sitting with uh, potential clients and uh, you're talking about sponsorship, where does that conversation begin? Or uh, where do you start the conversation? And how do you start to identify uh, appropriate sponsors? And how much sponsorship do you go after? Or how many sponsors do you go after? Yeah, that's sponsorship is a big piece of it, and there's a lot of variance and a lot of swing in that, and, and, and it has to do with the nonprofit and what kind of corporate sponsors they they already have. It has a lot to do with the community that you're holding the event. So if, if you're holding the event 
in a major metropolitan area that's got you know big corporate sponsors and big national brands there, you can get quite a bit more for your sponsorship versus something that's maybe more out in a rural area where you've got more just kind of local, smaller businesses. So we always kind of look at that and help develop those sponsorship levels to be commensurate with what's realistic uh, for the for the nonprofit. So, you know, in sponsorship revenue, uh, you know, on the low end, you're probably looking at, you know, twenty dollars to $25,000. And on the upper end, it's, uh, it's 100 k plus. So there's a big swing uh, in, in how much a nonprofit can raise uh, from the sponsorship piece. And what are the expectations of the sponsors? You know, it's, it's, it depends on, on the sponsor. So, you know, if you're looking at kind of local local uh, sponsors, you know, they're looking to get exposure to the community because that's their customer base. Um, the larger corporate sponsors, um, they're not quite as interested in that. It's just more of kind of, uh, build, you know, building their, the, the, the quality of their brand and having their, their brand associated with, with charitable giving. And, and, and part of their mandate and part of what they do is that. So they've got a bucket of cash every year that they, that they do uh, corporate sponsorships for nonprofits, so it's just a way for them to to give back to the community and and uh, you know the, the social uh, aspect of their brand. And how far in advance, Steve, should you be talking to sponsors prior to an event? Now you say, you know, uh, ideally four to six months uh, to plan your event. But do sponsors, because of budgeting, uh, because of their budgets, do they need more advance time than that? Do you find? Yes, the more time, the better. In fact, the, the, the second thing that we have nonprofits do, the first thing is get a date and a venue. The second thing is start working on the corporate sponsors because a lot of times companies, the larger they are, the more this is common. They've got their budgets well in advance, and they've got that, that money earmarked for various, various contributions. So you want to get in that, in that line, if you will, as early as possible. All right. Uh, maybe we should talk about uh, promoting an event now. Once, uh, once an organization has picked their date, they've started the permit process. They're talking to sponsors. Uh, how do you guide them through the uh, through the promotion of their event? Sure. So, a couple of things. The the, the earliest thing, the first thing you, that that we have them do is do do an outreach to their existing donor database and their existing um, you know, volunteer base. And that's usually done through an email blast, and it can be initially it can be kind of a save the date type of announcement, and that's really kind of just to start generating some some interest and in getting some people that are already connected to the organization kind of on board. But most of the actual advertising and marketing for the event happens in the 60 days prior to the event, um, and you're you're looking at we really kind of look at a, a multi-tiered approach to it. There's obviously a social media component of it, you know, Facebook. Twitter, you know, Instagram, all the different, uh, you know, social media platforms. Great to get as much as you can out out there. But it's also really helpful to do a physical kind of uh, in town, if you will, uh, campaign. And we we usually recommend a combination of posters and postcards. So we'll we'll have a, a day where it's a a poster blast day where we'll get groups of volunteers together and and. Uh, look at the town that you're having the event in the city and kind of chop it up into segments and different groups will go out and, and basically canvas businesses that will and ask to if we can you know put up the posters and then uh, 
postcards work really well also because in some places they just don't have the physical space to hang a, a poster, but you can put a stack of postcards on the counter or something like that. So we like to get that kind of blasted out all over the town as, as much as possible. All right. Uh, another revenue stream, I understand, I was talking to Ian, and uh, Ian, of course, uh, we had Steve uh, Pitskowski on uh, one of the uh, webinars here at Winspire, and you were talking about uh, fundraising raffles. Yeah, we uh, we really like the raffle component because it's an extra weight for the nonprofit to generate uh, revenue and also, you know, kind of drive interest. And, and also it helps if you know, for example, if somebody, let's say they, they can't make the event because they're out of town, they can still help support it by, by you know, engaging with the raffle component of it. So that's another way to kind of, you know, get that revenue in there, even if, if somebody can't make it to the event. So there's a, there's a lot of ways to, uh, to kind of leverage the, the raffle piece there. Cool. And just to kind of describe that a little bit, and, and this is something that where you can leverage actually travel experiences, right, that, that we offer here at Winspire. You can have a winner's choice raffle where uh, you select three or four experiences, right, all around the same price point, maybe around $3,000 for a uh, travel package, sell a bunch of tickets, right, sell them for twenty. Fifty, uh, even sometimes a hundred dollars, depending on how many you're trying to sell. And then when you draw the winner, hopefully you sell, you know, five to ten thousand dollars worth of tickets. When you draw the winner, the winner can then select from a variety of experiences to then uh, to, to to have as the grand prize. Now, what I thought was really cool, Steve, was, was when we started talking about. I think you're having an event with Big Brothers Big Sisters, um, where you're, there's a peer-to-peer -peer aspect to it. Yeah, and you know the peer-to-peer -peer aspect, it, it, it's a it's a huge potential revenue driver for the organization. It it you know it really theoretically should generate more revenue than the registration. So for every person that signs up and registers to the event, they're a potential fundraiser for you on the peer-to-peer -peer piece. And so what we did is we created a, a model where there's an incentive built in for people to. Uh, raise the peer-to-peer -peer fundraising. So, for example, for every $50 that a, an individual raises uh, through the peer-to-peer -peer platform, they get one free raffle ticket. So they could potentially win a $3,000 vacation or a $5,000 vacation just for going out and doing a little peer-to-peer -peer fundraising. So it, it adds that extra layer of incentive there and can really drive uh, those numbers up and and really you know raise quite a bit more for the uh, for the nonprofit from the peer to peer piece. So uh, hi, it's Renee here. Uh, so I love that you can actually reward these opportunities to win something without actually putting out a uh, a prize of a certain cost. So that's a great idea. What other types of motivation tactics or incentives have you seen your events use? to drive even more runners or um, to raise more money? You know, teams and contests are, are a really good way to go. So, you know, one of, the, one of the things that we like to do is offer the ability for people to sign up for the event and run as a team. And that can be, you know, your company, your school, uh, your, you know, your running group, your ski club, you know, whatever it is, whatever group you might belong to, you can kind of join together and and run it as a team and it, it allows you to raise money as a team on the peer-to-peer -peer piece but it also you know you can, we can look at ways to have you know kind of a contest so maybe the team that raises the most money from peer-to-peer -peer 
gets a, a prize. So that's another way to kind of, again, increase that incentive for them to, to do that. Because sometimes it just takes a little push of incentive, and it can really bump up the numbers on the peer-to-peer. Yeah, you could even promote that through your church, so you could have like the Catholics running against like Mormons. Sure. Can we say that sure. in the podcast? Yeah. I think so. <laughs> competition doesn't hurt anybody, right? A little, little no. friendly competition. That's right. Uh, Steve, let's talk about uh, some of the mechanics now, actually getting people registered for the event. Uh, you've picked your date, you've got your permit in place, you've got your sponsorship in place, now it's time to start registering uh, actual runners, and how do you go about that process? Sure. The primary mo- model now is with an online uh, uh, platform, registration platform, and there's a bunch of them out there. Uh, we use Race Roster. Uh, we love those guys. They're, they've got a great platform. And uh, what's nice is that they've got the peer-to-peer piece built into it. We can build in the incentive with the auction. I mean, everything can kind of build right into it, and it tracks everything. So you've got full reporting and, and, and ability for people to register 24-7 because people, people want to be able to go online and do it from their phone or from their computer. They don't want to have to go somewhere and, and deal with it in person. They want to have that convenience of, of online. So online registration really is the key. That's the only way to go. You will have, you know, day of event and even packet pickup day before. There will be some people registering live there, but that's, a you know, maybe 5% of the total registrations from the event. Everything else is going to be online. Now, we could talk a lot more about the actual mechanics of the event. I think probably better at the end of the podcast. We'll just drive people uh, through to your website, and, and you can handle those uh, uh, questions uh, kind of one-on-one. Uh, you were saying that the uh, you recommend events, you know, or most of your events are between 1,000 and, and 3,000 people. Uh, what is the length of the actual fun run or the length of the it's, – it's, it's not really a race, is it? Or sometimes are they a race, or how do you set these fun runs up? Sure, it's a 5K is what we generally do, and it's untimed and non-competitive, so there's, you know, there's no awards or medals, there's no timing to it. It's a fun run, walk, skip, jog, you know, however you want to do it. It's, it's really um, not, it's not geared towards the competitive runner, it's really geared towards, you know, just health-oriented, fun, family-oriented. So, um, you know, even if you walk it, you can get through it in an hour, so it's not a long event. Um, it's uh, you know about an hour is what it takes to get through. All right, I'm kind of bouncing around here a little bit, but my mind just kind of flipped back now to actually collecting the money. All those pledges from the peer-to-peer uh, registration fees. I guess they're paying the registration fee. The runners would be paying that online, I would assume. But the peer-to-peer money, how is that collected? All of the uh, that's all done online as well. It is so it's huh? all driven platform so it's very easy to track and collect and then and then move the move the money over to the to the nonprofit organization so come event day the the money's pretty much in the bank it's already in the bank yeah wow very interesting so let's talk it's the end of the run now and what is happening you talked about the the festival component and uh, perhaps an auction let's just uh, kind of tie it up here with a with a talk about how we finish the event Sure, we we like to have a festival after the event so that that uh, people have a kind of a gathering place and a kind of a, a place to 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 visit and 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 you know kind of have that community building aspect to it. So what we like to do for the festivals is have a handful of you know food and beverage vendors there. Um, we encourage our nonprofits to invite all of their corporate sponsors to have a free booth as part of that so that they get that, you know, exposure to the community. 
and and of course they're they're going to have their own booth there that generates interest in their organization. So you know it's there's a, another layer to this. I guess kind of um, moving off to the side of your question a little bit for a second here. Um, in addition to raising the money for the organization on that day and for the event, there's another benefit of having a, an event like this that really includes the whole community is that long term you're gaining exposure and awareness in the community which is going to translate into more donations down the line and more volunteers for your organization, more interest in your organization. So there's kind of a side benefit to, to having an event like this versus something like a gala dinner that's really more expensive and more exclusive. This is a much more affordable and inclusive event. So you're going to have a lot more of the community there to uh, participate, and that, that translates into uh, to, to, to more uh, volunteers and more supporters down the line. So we encourage you know, that aspect of, of the festival. And then also, we really like for the nonprofit to invite other nonprofits from the community to come and have a free booth space at the festival, too. And what that does is it really kind of builds on that theme of um, community building. I know I've kind of said that a number of times, but it really kind of helps to give people uh, uh, the feeling of, of you know, this really being part of that community and, and all the good things that are, that are going on in their community. Because what we really like to do is we like people to walk away from the event and just basically say, wow, that was a lot of fun, a lot of good stuff going on here in the community. And just have them have that sense of, of, of happiness and joy and connectedness to the community. And that's just a good positive uh, movement uh, no matter how you look at it. That's, so we really like to kind of build that into it and have a really good good festival at the end of it where people are having a good time. Steve, all great ideas. I love the uh, the community building aspect that, that you mentioned. I um, hadn't thought about in, inviting other nonprofits. I think that's, that's fabulous. Uh, what are some – I know that we talked about um, – kind of got into some of the nitty-gritty of the operations on our webinar. And if you guys out there uh, who are listening haven't, um, you know, want some more visuals, uh, we have kind of a, a longer presentation that we did as a, a, a webinar that you can go to the Winspire website and go to resources and check out the webinar there. Um, what are some of the biggest things that people kind of forget that they need to do or th things that people don't realize, details? Uh, I have written down here water, uh, trash recycling, and, and porta potties. Can you describe maybe some of the things that people don't really realize they need to attend to? Sure, sure. You know, there's a lot of moving parts. When you're dealing with having, you know, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 people show up at 8 o'clock in the morning for, for an event, there's a lot that has to go on before that to make sure that, that, that it comes off well. You know, you've got considerations like parking and transportation and, like you mentioned, the trash recycling. Um, there's a lot of different moving parts. So what, what we've done is we've really kind of broken it down with all of the different pieces of it. And because it's complex and there's a lot of moving parts, you're really looking at wanting to have a good committee group of chairs and, and having somebody that's going to kind of take ownership of each bucket, each category, and that, that may have, you know, one or two or 20 or 30 people underneath you helping, but just so that it's, it's, it's somebody's got ownership of it and it's being taken care of. So there's, there's a lot of different moving parts, a lot of different pieces of it. And the way we structure it is we actually build out a week-over-week -week timeline from day one to day of the event so that it, 
it's everything's planned out and everything's assigned and that so that things don't fall through the cracks so that you don't end up uh, on race day and realize that, oh, my God, we've got 1,500 people here, but we don't have any water for anybody, for example, because yeah. you want to have a you know, couple bottles of water per person. So things like that. So it's, uh, it, it takes a lot of planning and a lot of uh, organization on the back end so that day of race, everything flows off smoothly. What's the uh, average amount of time that these events last from start to finish from the public's perspective? Well, from the public's perspective, you know, usually we look for, uh, you know, a, like a 9 or 10 a.m. start time. 10 is great because by 11.30, everybody's kind of back at the festival, and that's pretty close to, you know, time where people can have a little bite to eat, have a little something to drink, and, and enjoy the festival for a couple hours. And then by 2 o'clock, they're, they're on their way, and, 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 you know, they have their, their afternoon free. So that's a, a pretty good timeline. But, you know, from the nonprofit standpoint, you know, you look at a 5 a.m. arrival time for the, the setup crew. So it's, it's, it's a longer day for, for those folks. But, uh, but it's, you know, 10 to 2 is kind of the range for the, for the public, you know, or 9 to 2. Because, you know, you want them to get there before the race starts to get ready and get, make sure they're registered and whatnot. Sure. Steve, I heard you mention earlier in the podcast uh, auctions. Do you actually bring auctioneers in from time to time to do a live auction when you've got that many people there? Uh, it's not usually. It's a little challenging to, to, to pull that off because, uh, you know, there's a lot going on, a lot of movement, and there's music, and there's announcements and things like that going on, and people are moving around a lot. So it's, it's a little challenging. So we don't, we don't normally recommend that. It's, it's doable. But uh, I think that those tend to work better um, indoors when you've got a little bit more of a captive uh, environment of the, of the participants. So that reminds me of one of the common mistakes I talk to event organizers about, which is overscheduling and too many distractions when they are uh, running their events. So do you have any maybe two or three common mistakes that you find people wanting to do or you know things that you stop them from doing so that they don't accidentally sabotage their own events sure sure i, I think you nailed it is just trying to pack too many things in and, and cover too many bases uh you know uh at, at one event you know you're really looking at you know kind of really stepping back and saying well what is it we're trying to you know accomplish here with this event and really kind of stay focused within those rails and keep keep within those those boundaries. So I would say yeah, probably number one would be would be mistake would be you know trying to pack too many in too many things into uh to one event. And then, you know, I, I think that the other biggest biggest mistake or biggest, you know, potential you know, pitfall is just um not having it planned out really well in advance and having enough time to actually pull it off because what we see sometimes is is trying to pull, make the event happen in too short of a time frame and then things just don't happen you don't you, they don't get enough corporate sponsors and there's not enough time for the marketing and then you have events that just don't really play out you know you end up getting a couple hundred two three hundred people there and it's just not that successful so those those would be a couple of things yeah Steve, can you share a couple of case studies with us to give us an idea of what type of uh, revenue uh, nonprofits might expect to generate with a fun run? Could we take a look at uh, maybe something on the on the lower side? I know you 
we don't want to look at any of the wrecks, but uh, I guess we know what the low side looks like. But uh, where's the where's the middle point? Uh, what kind of uh, dollars can we expect to generate with a fund run? You know, the typical range is, is you know, on the low end, about 30000 for the nonprofit, and on the upper end, probably 100 100 and a quarter, somewhere in that range. So and I think most of them kind of fall in the, you know, the fifty, sixty thousand dollar range, and and the reason for the the, the range, probably the biggest uh, component of that is the corporate sponsorship. You know, so you're looking at, you know, like for example, um, we've done some events for Rotary clubs, and 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 smaller smaller towns, and you're really looking at, you know, local businesses as their corporate sponsors. You're just not going to get a title sponsor for $25,000 in a small town. It's just not going to happen. So, you know, your title sponsor might be 2500 Where we're looking at a larger event, we're doing one for, um, for um, Habitat for Humanity, for example, um, and they've got major corporate sponsors where this event's going to happen. And a $25,000 title sponsor is, is very doable. So you can imagine the the swing of what you can generate if your title's at twenty five thousand versus twenty five hundred. It's a multiple of ten. So um, that's that's a that's a big a big piece of it, big big swing of it. But you know, typically even the even the smaller you know moderate sized events in, in, in towns that don't have big corporate sponsors, you know, you're looking at thirty grand, thirty five thousand is net for the nonprofit uh, on an event like this. Great. But how many, uh, can we ask, how many events a year are you involved in at Writer Tomorrow Events Management? Yeah, so we've been we've been at this for a couple of years now under a different brand uh, the year before, but, but we were doing about 25 the year before, and um, we're looking at probably, uh, I'd say close to 100 for 2018. We're, right now we're really doing mostly scheduling for spring of, of next year just because of that, that you know, six to eight month, month lead time. But, um, yeah, we'll probably do around 100. It could be 150 so, for next year. Yeah, that seems to me to be an indicator that fun runs are certainly gaining in popularity. They are. They are very much. Um, you know, it's, it's the standard model of golf tournaments and gala dinners. You know, we're, we're certainly not advocating replacing those events. We really kind of pitch our our event as an augmentation to the overall fundraising goals and, and schedule for the nonprofit because even though you're you are competing really with yourself in in the sense of for your sponsorship dollars, you're looking at an entirely different demographic and audience to participate in a fun run versus a golf tournament, for example, or a gala dinner. So it's a much broader segment of the of the population and you're talking about kids and families uh, where that that's just not going to happen at a golf tournament or a gala dinner. So it's uh, yeah. and the price point is so much lower. You know, we're talking our typical price point for registration is forty dollars. You know, a gala dinner is going to be three hundred for a couple or more. So it's it's you know it's quite a bit quite a bit different. Yeah, it sure is. Well, Steve, uh, you know, uh, we want to drive people to your website. I do want to say I think you've got the coolest logo. And, folks, if you want to have a look at it, the website is brightertomorrow.run. So that's brightertomorrow.run. And uh, folks uh, can contact you. Uh, that's probably the easiest way for people to get a hold of you. And uh, as well in our show notes, we'll have all of your contact information, Steve. Sure, sure. Yeah, I'm happy to answer any questions anybody has. And uh, provide any any 
support I can. Uh, you know, our our goal is really to get out there and just you know kind of help the nonprofit sector uh, raise more money and and do more good. And, and um, happy to help any way I can with that. All right, we're going to put you on the spot. Do you have anything that you can offer our listeners today? Sure. Any call sure. to action? Yes. So uh, you know, obviously, you know, we promote and 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 develop the runs for nonprofits and organizations that decide that they'd like to hire professional help for doing that versus trying to pull it off themselves. You know, we're happy to happy to help with that. And so, um, yes, for this, uh, for any podcast list, podcast listener that mentions it, we we will offer a five hundred dollar discount uh, from our our management fee. So right off the top, five hundred dollar discount. All right. Well, that's excellent. Steve Petskowski, co-founder and director of business development with Brighter Tomorrow Events Management. And once again, their website is brightertomorrow.run. And uh, if you're looking to add something uh, different to the mix for your nonprofit organization, uh, Fun Run, uh, certainly a great idea. If you're already maybe doing a gala or golf tournament, as we've said, uh, this is something uh, additional you can add to the mix. So, uh, Steve, we thank you very much for joining us today on Events with Benefits. You've been a great, uh, great guest. Hey, I appreciate it very much, and it was a great time, and um, happy to do it. All right. Thanks for listening to the show this week. For show notes, special offers, or to listen to previous episodes, you can visit us at eventswithbenefits.com. Please also consider subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. And if you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and write us a review while you're there. If you have any questions or feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at hosts at eventswithbenefits.com. We'll see you next time. Music.